This is the Endangered Species Podcast, the podcast by aspiring men for aspiring men from Phoenix, Arizona. I'm Sean Bollendorf. I'm here with my co-host, Logan Bonjean. Mr. Bonjean. Happy to be here. Logan, we are talking today about something. You know what? I'm going to let you guess. I'm going to let you guess what we're talking about. I'm driving the show here today. Uh, I'll give you one hint. What we're talking about today is everywhere. What do you think it is? Everywhere. Uh, McDonald's. Not McDonald's. McDonald's are everywhere, man. They are, but they're not as everywhere as today's topic. Uh, Air is everywhere, mostly. Air is more everywhere than what we're talking about today. Okay. (laughs) You can find air in places that you cannot find today's topic. Okay. I'll give you that. So we got to get somewhere in the middle here. Somewhere in the middle of McDonald's and air is what we're talking about today. This is good. We're nailing this. Okay. Sean, you just got to tell me what is it? You played along. You know what we're talking about, man. We are talking, guys, about porn. And the reality is pornography is everywhere. Even if you don't want to find it, it tries to find you. It tries to hunt you down. Even just yesterday morning, I have all kind of filters and all kind of stuff on my computer, but yesterday morning... I am checking my email. I'm trying to find an email that some bank had sent me. I can't find it. I look in my spam box. I'll bet one in seven of thousands of emails in my spam. I went ahead and deleted everything, but I'll bet one in seven was a link to pornography. They're coming for you. It's unbelievable. Porn is everywhere. Yeah, Sean, you and I spend a lot of time with college guys and with with young men, young adults, and uh this is a big part of the reason why we wanted to touch on this topic for a couple episodes is because it really is everywhere. Dude, it is so prevalent. When I was growing up, you had to go and find porn. You had to scratch and claw. You had to go find a magazine or whatever. It was pre-internet days. Like you, Literally, some guys would go dumpster diving hoping they would find a pornographic magazine that shows you how powerful the centrifugal draw of actual pornography is, but those were even just still photos. Think about the difference between the exhilaration of a still photo and an actual video. And and yet, even though you had to hunt it down in those days, it was still addictive. But now think of how much that has accelerated. It hunts you down now. It comes to your inbox. It is all around us. It is everywhere. And, you know, for 99% of guys in our country, it's in their back pocket in the form of their phone. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, if you charge your phone on your nightstand, you can more easily access tens of thousands of hours of pornography on the glowing rectangle that sits there. It's easier to do that than to get up and get a glass of water. Like how crazy is that? It's, it's just so accessible. And because porn is everywhere and because it is so harmful, which we're going to talk about today, we thought, man, we have got to talk about pornography. We talk about manhood issues all the time. We talk about godly manhood issues all the time. And in some ways, Logan, I kind of wanted to put this off. I I didn't want to dive right in because we're not a, we're not a porn podcast. We're not, we're not experts. We're not experts. And we're, we are in touch with many experts. Yeah, we are. Uh, very frequently, uh, one of the country's premier experts, um, has mentored me since about age 22, uh, age 21. And so uh, that said, though, neither one of us has a doctorate. Neither one of us is a clinical psychologist. We're not therapists. But, man, we mentor guys in their 20s, and we see what it's doing, not just to them, but I'm 48, and and to what it's doing to guys my age. 
my own peers. It's absolutely killing men. It's killing men in the church. Most guys, we can quote a bunch of stats, but you guys know this. Most guys are consistently looking at porn and masturbating and and the guilt and the shame that they feel and the binge and the purge cycles that they're engaged in and the depression that it takes some of them into because all addictions ultimately lead to mood swings and depression and lying. And it ends up hurting your relationships. It ends up hurting your bank account. It ends up hurting trust. It ends up hurting your relationship with God. And if you care about any or all of the above, and I know really probably 100% of our listeners do, then it matters to you as much as it matters to us that porn is destroying men. It's taking guys in the herd out. Yeah, it's the reality. It's a sobering one. And even like you mentioned, Sean, as as a 23-year-old guy, you have a unique and sobering perspective um, as a guy in your 40s on, on, I think sometimes with guys in their 20s, it's easy to think, man, I'm struggling with this as a single unmarried guy. Like if I got married, if, if I like had kids, the problem would be fixed. But sadly, that's just not the reality. No, it's not. Some of the guys with the biggest struggles with porn are in their 50s and 60s. Um, it, it, it's not a sin or an epidemic that attacks one age group of men. It doesn't just a, a, attack males. We know that increasing numbers of females are, are looking at porn. And despite what Cosmo magazine and the mainstream uh, sex therapists out there online would suggest, they would suggest porn improves your relationships, it improves your dating, it improves your sex life. The exact opposite happens. And porn is absolutely killing us. Let's talk about some of the different ways, Logan, that it is killing us. Yeah, let's jump into it. We have identified some some different kind of categories of, of the ways that this is really wrecking the lives of, of not just young men, but young men in particular. Um, and the first one is that porn affects our brains. Yeah. Any, any of you guys who have been through either the freedom fight or maybe even peer desire ministries. Um, I even think, and those are some Christian recovery programs, but I even think of organizations like fight the new drug, which is a non-religious, completely secular organization that's sold out, dedicated to, to fighting against the pornography industry and the ways that it's crippling the lives of people all across the world. Some of the more highly trafficked sites I can also think of might be like nofap.com or candeo.com, C-A-N-D-E-O, I think it is, .com. Mm-hmm. To your point, increasing numbers of unchurched or secular people are realizing, I have unwanted sexual behavior. I have unwanted sexual behaviors that I want to escape from. And so ultimately, this isn't just a Christian problem, but it's in the church where I care the most about it because you have all these guys who love the Lord, who want to walk in holiness. We know that the Bible says in Hebrews, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And so I so badly want to see guys win the fight. But you're exactly right. Porn affects the brain. It's literally physiologically brain changing. Describe that a little bit, bud. 
Yeah, I think for me, and and this is coming from a guy who who really struggled in this department for a really, really long time. I mean, I got exposed to porn as a 12 year old at the park on a friend's iPod touch. Like that's that's how early I got exposed to it and fed that addiction for a long time. And I think climbing out of that addiction, one of the most sobering things for me the the biggest things really did come down to what I saw God say about it and and wanting to walk blamelessly before him. Um, but some of the even, yeah, some, some of the really sobering stuff outside of the spiritual aspect of it was realizing the way that porn had changed my brain, was realizing the way this, that it had rewired my neural pathways. I mean, like you said, it's physiologically changing your brain. If, if you think about it, every time you do something, it's easier to do that thing again. Um, neural pathways get developed. There's diminishing returns uh, and, and you need more frequent and even more erotic and perverse things to continue to get going and be going. And it's, it's scary. We've heard the saying that neurons that fire together wire together. So when you're when you're engaging your brain in this activity over and over repeatedly, repeatedly again and again, it's setting hooks really, really deep into your brain that are really hard to pull out. Yeah. Anytime you do a pleasurable activity, there's dopamine release. Your brain tells itself essentially do that again. That was great. You mentioned the law of diminishing returns. That was the first I ever heard of sort of the sinful patterns that it describes in Romans where it talks about the corrupting of the mind. When I was in high school, I remember a youth pastor talking about, you know, the first time you hold a girl's hand, it's like electric jolts, you know, going through your whole body. It's an incredible feeling. But, you know, by about the fifth time you hold her hand, you don't feel like that anymore. And you got to do something else with her, something more, something more um, erotic down the line, right, Um, to produce the same feelings of excitement. Well, now we know there's brain science behind that. They didn't know that in the 80s, apparently, or at least it never made it to my little youth group. My youth pastor didn't know about it, but you're exactly right. There's this law of diminishing returns physiologically that as, and there are two things going on. Number one, going through the same experiences don't produce the same rewards each time. We just talked about that. But then number two, going through experiences makes it easier to make those same decisions again, as you said. So when you look at porn and masturbate, you're solidifying these brain pathways to do it again. Your body says, oh, that felt good. Do it again. Number one. Number two, the kind of porn you're looking at because of the brain science, because of the dopamine release doesn't satisfy you as much. And there's, there's a lot of scientific reasons for it that we're not going to go into uh, on the pod today, but suffice to say, I think we've all experienced it, that it just doesn't do it for you anymore at that level. I remember a friend of mine years ago admitted to me that the first time he saw a certain kind of perverse pornography, he literally felt so sick he had to go into the bathroom and throw up. Only a year later, he was searching intentionally for that same kind of pornography. How did that happen? Did he he just jump from throwing up to going right back and looking at it? No. He gradually fell into the cycle of just a little bit more, just a little more perverse, uh, just a little more exciting, just a little more erotic. How how does a normal average guy with normal sex drive end up looking at, for example, child porn or looking at masochistic 
porn where where men are abusing women uh, sexually and physically. How, how does someone end up at that point? You don't start at that point. No. You end up at that point because of the law of diminishing returns and the brain science says you'll get there. I think about Romans one twenty eight. It says that God gave them over to a corrupted mind, a depraved mind, because they did not think it worthwhile to hold on to or retain the knowledge of God. Which in my mind is one of the most sobering acts of God's judgment. It's 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 not even an active one. It's a, hey, I'm handing you over to, to your flesh. And that's scary. You don't ever want God to give you over to yourself. We think, oh man, you know, I'm good. I can make it in this world. No, I can't make it five seconds without the Lord. I need him to keep me close. I don't want him to give me over to my own thinking or my own sinful desires because it's over. Yeah. You talk about diminishing returns and how how much of a slippery slope that is and how deep you can get into something that you never thought you were going to be into. Um, We won't go too deep into the science of it, but there's a chemical that your body releases when you watch porn called dopamine. And, And it's basically your body's way of telling you, hey, this is awesome. You need to keep getting more and more of this. Keep doing this as much as possible. And, and there are certain activities like porn, and it's honestly in a lot of ways on the same level as drug use <laughs> that turn up your brain's dopamine production as high as it goes. And that is in a lot of ways what's wiring those neural pathways to say, we have to keep doing this, we have to keep doing this. And then when you try and stop that activity, it's literally like trying to get rid of an addiction. It's, and that's, and that's one of the premises of the website, Fight the New Drug. I know Ted Shimmer on the Freedom Fight, which freedomfight.org is the best porn addiction recovery online video curriculum that I know of. Fight the New Drug and Ted Shimmer with uh, Freedom Fight, they both talk all about exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And the, and the sad result is that a lot of studies that we don't have a lot of time to unpack, but you can go do the research yourself. A lot of studies have found that frequency of porn consumption directly correlates with depression, with anxiety, with stress, with social problems. It's that temporary release in the moment, but it leads to just a lot of mental struggle. Um, and, and there's science to back that up. And it, it's kind of scary, but it's just, it's the reality. And I, and I think like this can sound very doom and gloom, but there's so much hope in scripture. I think of Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like you can change your neural pathways. You can actually not just mentally spiritually emotionally rewire your brain you can physiologically rewire your brain um by what you choose to view and what you choose not to view what by what you choose to think about what by what you choose not to think about and paul was onto something here like what paul was talking about in romans 12 too now there's science to back that up like the actual renewing and changing and transforming of your mind is a real physiological thing that paul was onto way before he ever knew what he was scientifically talking about but there's a lot of hope found in scripture so unbelievably cool. I think the concept you're describing is called neuroplasticity. That's what it's called among brain scientists. There was the idea even 35, 40 years ago that once you're 25, your brain was a fixed organ, so to speak. It was finished developing. It would only die from then on. Pathways were set, etc. Brain scientists, neurologists now realize that's ignorance. It's foolishness. The brain is malleable for life. That's discouraging if you get into some bad habits because you can get into bad 
sinful, self-harmful habits that can take you into a very dark hole, even after making great decisions for a lifetime. But it's also hopeful, as you said, for the addict. And, and you know, one of the things I've noticed, Logan, is that most guys don't think they're addicts, but a lot of guys are. No one wants to think they're an addict because they they picture, you know, the the shaky, you know, meth head who's walking down the street. Yeah, and, there's a caricature for an addict that you, you don't want to identify yourself with, even if like one of the aspects of the freedom fight is that at the very beginning of the program, every participant takes a sexual addiction screening test. And it's a series of questions to identify. Are you are you actually sexually addicted or, or addicted to porn? And it's wild. Like they're they're fairly seemingly normal questions, but so many guys, like an overwhelming amount of guys, like basically every guy that I know, except for a couple that have taken that screening test come away with some semblance of, yes, I have, I have some sexual addiction in my life. And, and there's some freedom in being able to acknowledge that. And really in some ways, the only way to start battling for freedom is to actually acknowledge that. But you're right. It's, it's hard. You don't, we don't want to admit that or acknowledge that. One of the things we'd love to see all our guys do is to go to puredesire.org and to find the sex addiction screening test on that site. I got to tell you, be ready for a result that might be a little bit sobering, for lack of a better word, uh, that might be a little scary uh, because you might find that this, this screening test will say, look, you've got a serious issue, or it might even use that A word with you. It might say, you're a sex addict. And that's a hard thing to face. That's a hard thing to call yourself. Unfortunately, to lie to others, the first person we have to lie to is ourself. Mm. And ultimately, all addicts lie. So if you put those two things together, I'm going to lie to myself and I'm an addict. I don't want to admit the truth uh, about it to myself. Not every male is a sex addict, but way more guys are than think they are part of the hope in, in talking about the the brain chemistry aspect of this is to point out like hey we need to realize that if we continue to go back to this like it's not just it's not just affecting us on an emotional spiritual level like it is literally physically changing our brain and that's kind of scary and and so we want that to be a little scary and to set in but we also want to know that there's a lot of hope um again rooted in scripture that we can really experience the transforming of our minds yeah, ultimately, the only addiction that a human can grow healthier with is an addiction to the Lord. Mm. An addiction to God is worship. Yeah. An addiction to anything else, anything else and everything else is idolatry. And so ultimately, by definition, idolatry is bad for me because it's self-worship. Any kind of thing worship out there is me thinking to myself, this will satisfy me more than God. Ultimately, we're talking today, Logan, about how porn is killing us. We're going to offer a ton of hope next week. Mm -hmm. We're given the bad news this week. Porn affects the brain. How else does porn affect us, bud? Yeah. Porn affects our brains. It also affects our hearts. Like porn affects our hearts and the ways that we interact with other people. It affects our relationships. Porn consumption, uh, it's, it's been found to influence consumer sexual preferences. And so it's been leaving them wanting what they've seen on screen and significantly less satisfied with sex in real life. And so you can probably touch to this in a lot of ways, even from people that you know in your life. Like we think that porn is this individualistic problem that's only affecting me and harming me. But in reality, the ways that it shapes your brain and the ways that it shapes your heart, it leads to 
if, if you do get to have a real sex life in a marriage, it, it seriously affects that. Like porn, porn consumption makes it really hard to engage, if not impossible, to engage in a healthy, God-honoring sex life with a spouse if you continue to over and over again feed that addiction. Absolutely. To your point, several guys have admitted to me in the last 10, 12 years that in the first several years of their marriage, they really struggled with their sex life with their wife. And it wasn't because she didn't want it. It was because they couldn't get excited. Either physically they were impotent or they just couldn't get interested. And ultimately it was due to years and years of porn consumption. Dr. Ted Roberts talks about the fact that for the first time in human history, we have 16 year old boys who are experiencing erectile dysfunction or PIED, porn induced erectile dysfunction. How is that happening when your testosterone is at the highest that it's ever going to be in your life? These guys, these young, virile young men can't even experience an erection. Here's how it's happening. It's because they've watched so much porn, so much erotic and perverse and varied porn that now something basic and normal, and even honestly, in a lot of these cases, even something erotic and varied doesn't excite anymore. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to go into a ton of detail, but do you want to touch on, I'm unmarried, you're married. So do you want to touch on like what it looks like in the reality of a sex life in a marriage? Because I think in a lot of ways, what I'm, what, what you see is that porn trains you for an unemotional, unrelational and unrealistic sex life that in the way that you engage with porn, it, it just doesn't even look remotely like what a real sex life looks like. Sex is about communication. It's about kindness. It's about relationship. And porn isn't about any of those things. 100%. I love that you said that porn experience is unemotional. No one is emotionally attached to an image on a screen. No one is relationally attached to the images that they're seeing. They're not human in a sense. It's just stuff on a screen. And even if they're at a club, you know, looking at actual humans, there's still no relationship. There's still no connection. There's no covenant with one woman. There's no unconditional love. Sex is about unconditional love and communication and forgiveness and kindness and unity and having each other's back. It's the consummation of everything else that's good in that covenant lifelong promise. Porn is such a short shortcut. I don't even have words to explain how much of the marriage relationship it tries to bypass. And so then you get these guys who all through college, they, they fed the addiction. I'm not down on them. Many of them are our listeners, but they're, they're thinking, man, I can just get married. I'll walk an aisle and all of that will be in my past. But dude, they've been storing it in their minds for years. And, and, I'll, and I'll be a little bit sobering and maybe scare you guys a little more it doesn't just go away once you stop looking at porn. Your mind has a video card. That stuff is stored in there. The only way to clean it out is through scripture, memory, and meditation. I'm convinced. And I got to tell you, it takes years. It takes years of scripture memory and scripture, scripture meditation. I have guys tell me all the time, man, I feel bad because I have these old thoughts and these sexual thoughts and all this kind of stuff. Uh, old images, my old girlfriend, old porn that I've seen. Even once you quit, yeah, and I know a lot of you guys haven't quit yet, but even once you quit, that stuff remains and you have to wash the mind 
through what the water of the word. But as you do, as you do, man, you're able to lift your eyes to your wife. You're able to engage relationally. How do you keep sex in marriage exciting? You do it through relationship and you do it through what we talked about in a previous episode, how to crush it at marriage. Uh, we talked about setting your bride's face and body as the ultimate standard of beauty. Mm-hmm. No way you can do that if you're making mental comparisons, her against supermodel, her against porn star, her against images of the past. It's got to be her against nothing, right? Um, if I eat nothing for three days, I'm going to eat whatever food you put in front of me. <laughs> Anything. <laughs> it does not matter, yeah. right? So how do you stay hungry for your wife? You starve the flesh. And, and and you try not to catch those glancing blows that even living in our society, even if you're fighting, even if you're staying away from porn, even if you're not looking for it, skin finds you. Yeah, I appreciate so many of the things you just touched on. As an unmarried guy, I really appreciate you touching on again the reality. And I, I think early on in my walk with God, I probably bought into that lie that I'm like, oh, well, like, man, marriage will probably fix all these problems. But then I had met more and more guys who were older, who were in marriages that voiced over and over and over again. No, that is not the reality. And that if you want, if you want to walk in freedom, it starts now. Um, I also appreciated how you touched on and we're going to get into this a lot in the second episode of this two parter, but how challenging it is. Like, I think that's something we all need to hear too, that you don't get to, it's, it's like any other addiction. You don't get to just flip a switch and be freed from this. Like it takes work, it takes time and it takes effort and it takes doing really hard things. It's the fight of your life. If you're going to take holiness and purity seriously, and I beg you guys to do so, it is not for the faint of heart. It's not for quitters. It's for the resilient. It's for absolute savage beasts who want to have a close walk with God who want to love the Lord and love their wife. And the reason I mention your walk with God is because we're talking about how porn affects your heart. It's not just about your heart, you know, for some mythical future marriage for you single guys, right? As I mentioned to you one time, Logan, one of my sons came to me when he was 15 and he goes, you know, this whole argument about, you know, you're going to mess up your marriage one day. Dad, I don't care about that. I, I, I'm 15, man. That, that might as well be a thousand years away. Right. He said, but what's compelling to me is a guy said to us tonight at our Bible study, your heart for the Lord will diminish. Your closeness to God will diminish as you delve into porn. And right now you have this relationship with God that daily the addiction of pornography is injuring and it's pushing you away from God. He goes, that's my today. I care about that today. And I thought that was important. Yeah. And it's, it's a reality. And I think any Christian guy who's struggled with an addiction to pornography can directly attest to that. I, I think we're probably preaching in the choir for a lot of guys that porn harms your intimacy with God. It just doesn't, it doesn't just harm your intimacy with other people. And you're right. I think sometimes as, as unmarried guys, it's easy to feel like, man, marriage feels so far out of sight, out of mind, but that should be the main motivator. And I'm really glad that you, you centered us on that because that's at the heart of it. And, and ultimately, like, again, the only way that we're actually going to be able to love the other people in our lives is if we're centered on a love of Jesus and porn really affects that love and that intimacy. Absolutely. Porn, porn affects the brain and trains you for idolatry. Porn affects the heart and trains you for unemotional, unrelational engagement with others and ultimately with God and your wife. Um, 
And, and you know what, Logan? Porn affects the world. Yeah, man. Pornography affects people that you will never even meet. Sometimes I'll ask a guy, and I, I try to do this in love, man. I'm not mad at addicts. Um, I'm a male. I have testosterone. I live in this world. I know the temptations that are all around us. Okay. But that said, sometimes I'll ask a guy, you know, who, who are these girls you're looking at on the screen? They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, who are they? They're, every single one of those is someone's sister. It's someone's daughter. It's someone's cousin. It may have been someone's girlfriend. Every single one of those women on the screen was made in the image of God. It could be the girl in your class. It could be, so it, it probably will be someone's future wife. It probably will be someone's mom one day and you're staring at her getting off. And I think if our discussion on the brain and on the heart and how the porn affects those two things didn't build enough conviction, then this should really hammer it home. You, you, you touched on it. Porn affects the world. The, the Department of Justice and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children both recognize that pornography is an element that adds to the serious problem of sex trafficking. Like what you're watching on a screen, again, it's not just individualized to you. It's not an isolated problem. The porn industry feeds the sex trafficking index industry. And so if you're pro-porn, the reality is, is that you're also saying that you're pro-sex trafficking by your actions. And I know that sounds really aggressive and intense, but that's just the reality. Like porn promotes human trafficking. There are women and, and even some men who are sucked into the porn industry for money. They're tricked into it. And there are some who are literally enslaved uh, in a lifestyle performing for you. And there are a lot of there are a lot of organizations and sites out there, Fight the New Drug being one of them, I think of Trafficking Hub as well, that are exposing the ways that Pornhub and, and, and other major porn sites are exploiting the oppressed, the vulnerable, those who have no one to defend them, even children. And as followers of Jesus, that should jerk at our hearts, that should break our hearts. That it's exploiting the exact type of people that Jesus went after, that Jesus's heart was drawn out for. And so we need to hear that porn doesn't only affect our brains and our hearts, but it affects the world. I have guys ask me all the time, what is a godly man? Like, tell me, I don't get it. Like, what does a godly man do? And one of the first things I always tell them is right out of Proverbs. I say, a godly man speaks up for those who cannot speak for themselves. And a godly man defends those who cannot defend themselves. I think of the unborn and I think of those who are being trafficked either in human slavery or being sexually trafficked and especially the most vulnerable in our world, children. It's unconscionable to me that I have not given even more of my life to helping those who are being trafficked, but I can tell you the number one way to stop sex trafficking is to stop it at the spending of the dollar. It's the same with the drug trade. Like, dude, let's quit spending all these dollars and sending people all over the world to fight the drug trade. It's like, if people will stop using, it'll all go away. If people will stop watching pornography, if even just men in the church would stop watching pornography, literally billions less dollars would be spent on pornography each year. It grieves me, man. It grieves me. Yeah, it, it really does churn my stomach. <laughs> it churns my stomach thinking about the ways that I've contributed to that. And it makes me all the more want to just run as far away as possible from this. And, and more than that, it makes me want to lock arms with every single guy that I know, every single guy that I have access to and say, come with me. Like, let's leave this behind. Let's stop contributing to 
the pain and the hurt and, and the exploitation of people that are defenseless. You know, at the core, ultimately watching porn, and I don't mean to be hard on our listeners, but, but I got to be frank with you. Watching porn is an extremely selfish thing to do. You're saying, I kind of don't care. I hear everything you're saying, but you know what? I just want to kind of get off to these images and that's how it is. And I'm going to go ahead and do it now. If you're a Christian guy and a lot of our listeners, you care about this. You feel terrible about it. You, you feel some of the shame. You feel some of the depression that comes from the binge purge cycle and, and the inability and the desperation that you feel when you can't overcome the habit. And we're going to help you with that next week, guys. We're going to talk next week about what I almost want to call foolproof ways to overcome porn. I don't know what we're going to title it, but guys, we're going to give you some incredibly helpful strategies to help you kick your porn habit next week. But obviously this week, we got to give you the bad news. And the bad news is that porn is killing your brain. It is killing your heart and it is killing the world, man. It is hurting people. Yeah. I'm thankful for the point that you made though. And hear me like guys, my brothers in Christ, I get you. I have been where you've been. I've felt the things you've felt. I've experienced the things you've experienced and even have probably felt some of the things you're feeling right now as we talk about this. And I'm telling you that I like my stomach turns as we have these conversations about the ways that porn affects our lives and affects the world. And I just need you to know that there is nothing that you have done, are doing or can do that can outsend the cross that Jesus has paid for your sin and it's not a license to go keep doing what you're doing. But I say that because I know that so many guys that are listening right now feel that conviction and it's not a senseless unrepentant sin. I know that you keep repenting, that you keep turning from this, that you keep running back to grace and then you keep stumbling again and again and again. And that's again, the hope for us in this next episode is to provide you with tools to get freedom and to walk in freedom. But I would just hate if we had this whole conversation in this podcast and didn't touch on the grace of God in this department. And in reality, there is no way for you to walk in freedom outside of that grace. Like I, I, I have seen people get freedom from addiction in, in all kinds of areas and freedom from porn addiction that aren't believers. But I'm telling you for you to experience not just physical freedom, but spiritual and emotional and mental freedom in this area, freedom from your past. Like you need to just walk in the grace of God, to stand in the grace of God, to fall in the grace of God. And I just think that that's huge in this conversation. Absolutely. And the way I view guys who are stuck in porn, the way I view addicts is not with anger. It's with compassion. I've been an addict of many things in my life. And there were people who reached out to me in compassion and helped pull me out of the mud and the mire, set my feet on the rock as, as the Lord does in Psalm 40. I'm incredibly thankful to those guys. And that's our posture. Even as we talk about how much damage porn and porn viewing is doing in the world and to our own hearts and in the church, Logan, I appreciate you saying that because it is about the grace of God uh, at its core. And that's what we're going to need. Here's what we want to close with today, guys. We want to talk about why we think your sexual health, your sexual holiness your freedom from this addiction is worth fighting for. There is hope. Here's why we think it's worth fighting for. For one, a rich relationship with God. Man, as, as you begin to walk in freedom, as you begin to walk away from sinful habits and idolatry, you will begin to experience a much closer relationship with God because number one, you'll start being more honest with him. Again, addicts lie. 
and they first lie to themselves. The second person they lie to is God. Because when we won't confess our sin and don't confess our sin and don't admit how sick we really are, as Dr. Ted Roberts says, you're only as sick as your secrets. Once you start confessing to God and others, you can begin to get healthy. If we won't admit that, we can never see the grace of God flow. I think that's what First Peter 5 is all about. Submit yourselves one to another. I think that's what James 4 is about when it says that God gives us more grace, but he gives grace not to the proud, but to the humble. God opposes the proud. And so ultimately, I think a rich relationship uh, with God is around the corner for the person who can escape the shackles of porn viewing. Again, we, we just touched on it, but knowing that Jesus came and lived and died and rose for sinners, <laughs> for, for people like me and Sean and everybody listening to this podcast, for people who know that they have a problem, who know that they need a savior. He came to die for people that struggle, that have sin in their lives. And so Jesus isn't repulsed or, or running away from your sin. He is drawing near to you in that. And he wants to heal you and transform you and make you new. And And I, I love that you just provided that hope. And, and, and that's something I need to hear in all areas of life. And that's something we really need to hear in this conversation is that, like you said, there's a rich relationship with God around the corner here. The second reason that sexual health and, and holiness and, and freedom for porn are worth it is a rich marriage. A lot of you guys that we hear from are newly married and you're trying to overcome pornography or you're trying to overcome residual thoughts from old viewings or old experiences, etc. And man, if you can win this fight, guys, let me tell you, the richness of relationship in marriage with your wife is indescribable. The kind of honesty and communication and unity that you can have with your bride is amazing and sadly rare, but you can breathe that rarefied air if you can put this in your past, begin to see your brain cleansed, to see your soul cleansed, which God does, as it says in 1 John 1, 9, as we confess our sins. One of the reasons it's worth fighting for is a rich marriage. Man, Sean, that's so good. And I think another really hopeful thing is just to hear stories of guys that have actually overcome their addictions, of guys who are walking in freedom and have been walking in freedom for a really long time. Do you have any, off the top of your head, you you know a lot of guys, a lot of guys that are married, a lot of guys that are young and single and everything in between. Can you think of any stories off the top of your heads? You don't even need to use names, but I just think that it provides a lot of hope to hear, oh, I can actually do this because these other guys have done this too. Fortunately, I've been doing this long enough that I could bring a parade of success stories, not my success stories, just guys I know, guys I've run into, all God's success stories, guys whose lives have been changed by the grace of God on one hand and by their incredibly hard work yeah. of recovery on the other hand. Uh, one of the things you're going to find out as you hear these stories is that recovery is a team sport. Mm -hmm. addiction recovery. You, you can't do it on your own, man. It's yeah, a and we're going to talk about that in this next episode too. It's huge. 100%. So here's how we're going to line it out guys. Next week, we're going to teach you how to overcome porn in 90 days. Now here's the deal. They won't be fully healed. Okay. Yeah. Depending on your level of addiction, guys, it could take one to three years of seriously hard work. Some, some guys actually need professional counseling. Some guys need therapy. Some guys, um, need long-term therapy. All guys need a team. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about all of that, but you can get free from the habit itself in as little as 90 days. 
Guys, thanks for tuning in this week. I know this was a heavier episode, but I'm really encouraged at the prospect of all of us together, again, as a team, being able to walk in freedom in this area, being able to have healthy brains, healthy hearts, and to contribute to the the shalom and the flourishing of the world around us to peace and honor for fellow image bearers. And, And this is a huge area that tarnishes that. And so I just have a lot of hope for victory and overcoming this. And I can't wait for next week, Sean, for you to unpack a ton of practicals for us to actually walk in freedom. And I can't wait to hear some really encouraging stories the week after. So guys, keep coming back. Share this with guys that you think would help them. Have conversations, man. Start being open. Walk in the light. Share your honestly what you're going through with God and with other men in your life. And we can't wait to see you back here next week.